This is the Ali La Rouge podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the view from the terraces at Liverpool FC. You're listening to Ali La Rouge, and I'm your host, Peter Hooten. I'm delighted to be joined by regular Stephen Monaghan and Keith Colvin, both cop season ticket holders, and athletic journalist James Pearce, who's making a welcome return to Ali La Rouge. So what a weekend of football, eh? I mean, the Premier League was back with a bang. Absolutely fantastic. And Liverpool, an emphatic 3-0 win at Norwich. Um, James, I mean, it was convincing, wasn't it? I mean, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people have been going into meltdown on Twitter about lack of signings, but when you've seen that team in full flow, you look uh, phenomenal, don't you? Yeah, I think in terms of everything you could ask for for an opening day win, it, it, every box was ticked, wasn't it, really? I think in terms of, you know, three goals, the the clean sheet, you know, the the the, the attackers looking so sharp and, and hungry. Um, you know, Van Dyke getting 90 minutes under his belt on his return. Matip looking so assured next to him. You know, Alisson only been back a fortnight, but, you know, his reflexes, you know, just as impressive as ever. You could see how much that clean sheet meant to him, even though, you know, those saves were, were long after the... Uh, the points were already wrapped up. And then you know, even right down to young Harvey Elliott coming off the bench and, and making an impression. So, um, so yeah, when, when you think that, you know, that was far from a full strength Liverpool team, when you think, you know, obviously Simicus, I think you've got to give him some credit as well for his full Premier League debut in place of Robertson. You know, I don't think we'll see that midfield play for Liverpool too often. It was clearly, it was based on who Klopp felt was physically ready, um, which didn't include Thiago, um, Henderson and obviously Fabino just coming off the bench. So um, you know, people will say it was only Norwich, but you know, we saw at the weekend with with Brentford and Watford's wins that it can be a difficult time to to face newly promoted teams when they're they're full of all hope and optimism. And uh, Liverpool did a good job of bursting their bubble. Mono, in terms of uh, the atmosphere, it seemed a, a great atmosphere there, and everyone seemed to be. Uh... You know, right behind the team, isn't it fantastic to have fans back in the ground, you know, in terms of, you know, just the noise they make. And I think it seems to, it seems to, the players seem to up the level, don't they? Yeah, it was a great journey down on the coach. You know, we had a solo uh, coach and uh, the atmosphere was great going down. You know, even we stopped off a little place just outside Norwich, then we got into Norwich. It was just great to see everyone. You know, we haven't seen these people for like nearly two years. And you know, your mates, you know, from, from the match, and everyone's just so happy, you know, everyone's hugging each other. It sounded, it sounded like just uh, keep your distance a bit, but that went out the window, to be honest. Like, you know, it was it was really just getting back to normal. And I think that's what everyone just felt. And then once the players come out, you know, the crowd just took off, you know, it was great. The singing was brilliant, you know, every everyone was really up for it, and it was a massive, massive atmosphere for Liverpool from the Liverpool end anyway. Yeah, uh, Keith was a you know, Van Van Zyke, were you surprised that he he's actually played the game? He must be ready. Klopp must think he's ready. But we were thinking a couple of weeks ago, maybe, you know, he's gonna um gonna edge him in, you know, be careful with him. But his his presence in that back four was just it's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously, you know, it it it's goes without saying he was sorely missed last year, obviously, because of the player that he is and and what he brings to the team. But obviously you seen that on Sunday where he took him off after it was about an hour or so. So you tend to think then he's he's obviously earmarking for the game um, on Saturday, and you know, unfortunately he never played last. Well, he played well half a dozen games, whatever it was. So, but 
the reality is we, we sorely missed him last year and, and with him back in form and back back fit, I think, you know, I think I'll take a good team to stop us, to be totally honest with you. Um, you know, we'll probably pick up on that later. You know, the crowd situation, I think, you know, as James said, you know, these teams are coming up from the uh, championship, got a full crowd behind them. It can be, you know, it can be go either way for, the, for you that way. So, plus you haven't played in front of a crowd for nearly two years. So, I thought the players handled it brilliantly, to be totally honest with you. And obviously, the back we got off our fans helped them a great deal. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, James, you think, I mean, all the pundits seem to have written off Liverpool prematurely. Is that, would you say that's fair to say? Or they're just, you know, seduced by the signings that City are making and Chelsea are making and Man United are making? You know? Yeah, I, I, I think from, I think a lot of the pundits have been heavily influenced by transfer business. I just think, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think that Liverpool have been massively underrated when I, you know, I saw something on the BBC website about, you know, pundits, you know, 20 of them, I think, all picking their one, two, three, four. And um, I don't think a single one had Liverpool down to be to be champions. I think maybe not even top two, which, yeah, I, I think that is heavily influenced by the fact that there hasn't been that big statement signing as they're from Liverpool this summer. You know, you look at obviously United with, with Sancho and Varane and City, obviously, with Grealish and Chelsea with, with Lukaku. Um, but I do think... You know that I think that will suit Jurgen Klopp and his players. I think they'll be they'll be more than happy. The fact that you know they're going under the radar a little bit. Um, I think Klopp loves that kind of underdogs tag. You know, people people doubting us. Let's go and let's go and prove them wrong. And uh, so yeah, I, I, I do think that it, it baffles me really when you look at you know what Liverpool achieved last season with half a team missing essentially. Um, you know, to be without you know, their three senior centre-backs for so long of the season, to be without, what, Thiago for two, three months, Jota for something similar, Henderson for the second half of the season, really, to to still finish third with with everything they had to contend with. And now you've got Matip back, Van Dijk back, Gomez back, Henderson back. You know, Trent obviously has had the benefits of a of a full pre-season as, as well. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think definitely, definitely going under the radar a bit. Do you think, Mono? Do you think that'll suit uh, Liverpool and the fans and the team? The fact that we are, are the underdogs and that um, everyone's writing off our chances, really, or do you think we really do have to strengthen to keep up there? No, we, we had this conversation the week, didn't we? You know, saying are we are we going to buy a, a player or a players? You know, Klopp has asked the same question last week, wasn't he? By by a journalist, and he had to go back him, didn't he? More, more or less to say, uh, this is the way it is. You know, we'll, we'll just get on with it. And, you know, we've got, as we just, we all know, there's, there's like about eight new plays we got, more or less, that, that never played last year. What James just said, you know, he finished third last year, uh, last season, sorry. And going forward now, this is like, it's like a new team as well. To, to an extent, isn't it? You know, with, with all like the plays that James just said then, that, that we've got coming back. The crowd on Saturday was was in the mood that this this, this is a title. This is a title challenge, this. But what we've got, the team, the squad that we've got. Keith, would you say people like Elliot would be regarded as new signings or is that looking as, you know, is that should be dismissed? You know, I mean, everyone's clamouring for, come on, where's the uh, where's the big signing? I mean, Kanate looks quality, as you know, but he's not going to be necessarily first choice, is he? But, 
you know, where would you think that we should strengthen if, you know, if we go into the transfer market? Well, a couple of things. I think you've got to ask yourself, who's the ones clamouring for all these signings? James you know, Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as we as it's all well documented, you know, the internet, what have you, they, they can jump up and down as much as you want. You know, you've got to put your trust in the manager and the people behind them who are doing what they do. Over the last three or four or five years, they've been very successful at what they do. So, in that respect, I, I certainly wouldn't take any notice of what the internet say about who we should and you shouldn't sign. As simple as that. And that's not having to take at any journalists, by the way. That's just the way I, I look at it. Um, do we need Elliot? I think the lad obviously done well for Blackburn last year. You know, he looked, I seen him against the, the game on Sunday when we went to. He looked okay in that. You know, he put some nice little passes through. I think given time and a bit more patience, I think he'd become a good player for us. I think I think he'd be on the bench more often than not and bring him on like he did on on Saturday when the game was won. Give him a fifteen minute roll, give him a run out, which is what you should do with young players. You shouldn't be bringing young players on to win your games like we used to do years ago with Michael Owen and whatever when they were kids. Trying to win games, you know, so it just ruins the confidence. So I think Elliot, along with others, some other young players in the squad will probably get more time on the pitch at some stage or other. Um the fact that we, as you know, everyone said, we've got all these players coming back. You know, everyone needs some strength in a lot of areas. Obviously, Kimikas, whatever his name is, I was a bit sceptical in respect because he never really done that last year. He looked okay on Saturday. That was the one area I thought we needed to cover for was, was for Robertson. Obviously, he got injured on the Sunday. He's come in and done well. So, you know, you've got to give him credit for that. Um, so, no, I think, I honestly feel that it's going to take some sides to knock us to stop us from winning the league. I, I feel very confident. I know it's only hardly kicked the ball, but I think we'll do well this season. James, in terms of um, facing the wrath of uh, suggesting to Klopp that maybe we should go in, I mean, what what did you um, what, what what did you take from his answer? Is that a diplomatic answer, or is that you know, is that he's 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 quite happy with the squad? Uh, well, I think. He certainly seemed genuine with his answer. I mean, I I just said to him, you know, just out of interest, you know, you haven't replaced someone in Wijnaldum who played virtually every minute of every game. And is that because of the financial situation or is it because you genuinely believe there are, there are enough quality options already there? And um, yeah, he, he launched off into into quite a robust defence of, of why he hasn't signed a midfielder this summer. Um so yeah, you can only ask the questions and then take the answers at, at face value. I guess it was—it's funny because with the setup, I was getting some stick on Twitter for people saying because um, he actually at one point in his answer he said, "Tell me, tell me you, tell me the midfielder we should sign then." And um, and the way it works is you have to be promoted to be a panelist to ask a question, and then you get put back on mute again afterwards. So I couldn't, I couldn't have, I couldn't have told him who I, who I thought, <laughs> even, if I, even if I wanted to, and then. Um, well, you can, the, um, you can tell us. You can tell us. Yeah, I mean, I, well, if if I was Michael Edwards and money wasn't an issue, then I I really like Tielemans at, at Leicester. I think out of the ones that Liverpool have been linked with this summer, I mean, we've been linked with you know, the, you know about fifty different centre midfielders, have we? I think you know Renato Sanchez was one that kept on coming up, but I think you know he's he's had a lot of injury issues and he's he's out again at the moment. Um, Basuma at Brighton was another one, but you know I'm not convinced that he's of, of the level that's going to help you win the title. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, f- for me, the other thing with with the midfield options, I think when you list them, there's still a lot of midfielders there, isn't there? But, but yeah. the worry for me is how much 
can we get out of Naby Keita and how much can we get out of Oxlade Chamberlain? Yeah. Because both of them have had so many injury issues. And that that's why that's you know, I've only got really got two concerns about the squad. One is whether there is sufficient depth in midfield. Because I think I think once we get going into the thick of it and everyone's up to speed, I think the first clap the first pick midfield will be Fabino holding and then Tiago and Henderson probably either side. Yeah. But but then you know inevitably you're gonna gonna need depth and that that's when you're gonna be relying heavily on Cater, Oxlade, Milner, and probably young Harvey Elliott. And then the other area is is further forward where you know obviously we got the Africa Cup of Nations coming up in January where you're gonna lose Salah and Marnie for for probably the best part of a month. And you know it, at the moment you know obviously Rigi's still there, Shakiri's still there, Minamino. Um, you know I, I just think you know Liverpool still need another attacking option up there, which I think they might still get before the window shuts if if Origi and Shakiri were both to go. Because, um, you know, I, th- I think because it's, it's not just a case of money. It's also about the, the homegrown quota. Um, sorry, the not, well, non-homegrown in terms of Liverpool have got that many, you know, foreign players at the moment. They would have to make space to be able to bring someone else in. Alele Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. In terms of uh, Arigi and Shakiri, what's the likelihood? Do you think there's a good chance of them going? Well, I think Shakiri at the moment is probably looking the more likely. Um, you know, Leon were were very keen, um, but not prepared to meet the asking price. Liverpool were looking to pretty much get back what they paid Stoke City for Shakiri, which is about I think it was 13 million. I think they were asking for 12 million off Leon, but they were Leon were only willing to pay about four or five. Um, so you know, there's a bit of a standoff there at the moment. You know, there was interest from Italy. You know, Shakiri did an interview in Italy a few weeks ago talking about how much it was, you know, it was his dream to, to play in Italy again and talking about Lazio. But you know, again, the right offer hasn't come up. And Origi's really quiet. I mean, you know, to, to my knowledge, there's not been, not been much interest in him this summer. He seems, for his part, he's not been agitating for a move, Origi, despite his place in the pecking order, you know, as things stand, he seems quite prepared to to stay and fight, which, you know, of course is his prerogative because contracts work both ways. But um, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Obviously the nearer we get to the window uh, shutting, you know, clubs start to probably, you know, panic and, and, and maybe, and maybe decide they do need to strengthen it where, where before now they've been reluctant to put bids in. So, um, certainly with Origi and Shakiri and, and probably, you know, you, you put Nat Phillips in that as well. Um, you know, I think what happens with, with them in the last fortnight will will hinge to a large extent on, on what kind of bids are, are forthcoming because, you know, they are clearly for sale. Yeah. Marlo, in Minamino, um, he's been looking quite good, hasn't he? But is he a flatter to deceive player or are you going to give him another chance? Me personally, I'd give him another chance. You know, when he played Salzburg, he thought he was a great player, and you know, he had a great game against us. And we said it on here before. I mean, you know, when we beat Crystal Palace down there, when we battered him and uh, he scored a goal and was a one or two thing, but he had a good game that day. Then he sort of got bombed out of it, didn't he? You know, then you never seen him for a bit. So I think he needs to run the games. You know, he was getting he was getting easily pushed off the ball as well, and it, I just he just couldn't find his right momentum when he did come back. I don't think his confidence got shot, you know what I mean? But 
now yeah. he's been out on loan for a bit, and now he's he, you know he's had the full training, for, you know, pre-season. That's all. He we looks more. He looks a more confident player, doesn't he? At the yeah, moment, that's right? what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, he's constantly been shot, and now he's been back in the squad. You know, um, you know, in the pre-season, like a lot of the players. So you know, they've all got a chance again now. So, but this is maybe obviously we say last chance to learn for him this season. You know, I would I would keep him. It's okay, sell him, but sell him, but. When you sell someone as James, you, you, you know you got to bring someone in. To, to, to you know, we said that when we talked with Wijnaldum, you know, as James, you know, when he asked Klopp about it, um, but we just we just said all that midfield there, you know, Thiago, the Ox, the Melly uh, got Jones as well, you know, in, in yeah. front of the mix. So we we've, we've got a lot of midfielders there, but obviously the main three is what uh, James has just said before. Um, but I I would you know, I, I, you know, he's a flair player, isn't he? As well, you know, um, Minamino, and I, I think I, I would keep him, you know, for the season definitely. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't sell him. Yeah. Keith, the um, the front three on uh, Saturday uh, looked deadly, didn't he? And uh, it looked like Manny had got his confidence back as well. You know, he had a pretty um, um, totted time last season, didn't he? With with his confidence, I think mainly things weren't coming off for him. Um, do you think? Um, to think it would be, um, think Mane this season is going to be back to the Mane of the um, Premier League winning team. Um, well, Mane probably, you know, we how, how much did we speak about last year where we had no crowd and it badly affected our team more than most that we spoke about on numerous occasions, you know what I mean? And, and you know, Mane was probably one of them players who thrives on confidence which he gets from the crowd because. Because he is a crowd favourite, along with Salah and Firmino, the three and get you know they get a lot, of, a lot of backing and a lot of love off the crowd. So, you know, who's to say that? Obviously, once the crowds are back in the, in the grounds, which obviously on Saturday will be a perfect point to prove that he will his game will pick up because you know it must have been such a shock to the system to them all for so long not to play in front of the crowds. And when they got it back, it's it's bound to give them a bit of a lift. Plus, I think maybe you talk about Miramino and Man, uh, Mane and that. It's what goes on behind the scenes, probably with the manager. You know, whether you know he's picking, bringing them back to Milan over and say, right, "You're in the squad this year. You got a chance to prove yourself. You're not going nowhere. This is your chance." So it gives him a bit of confidence in himself then to to say, "Okay, I've got a chance here now." And obviously, saying with Manny, you know, he he did have a bad time last year. He wasn't on his own, you know, by, you know, which we'd all admit. But you know, whatever's being said behind the scenes to him will possibly have a, a, a good effect on his confidence, which can only help the team. Um, and it was, you know, I know it sounds a bit stupid, like, but you know, you read all this talk about Manny and Salah and all that. It was just good to see the three of them bounce off each other and celebrate together when when they scored. It was great to see because they haven't done that that often, have they? There, even when they scored last year, they were sort of it was muted because it was not in, no crowd and not to sort of to sort of yeah, yeah. boost that. You know what I mean? So it'd be good to see. James, you want that um, competition between strikers, don't you, but I think it was noticeable on on Saturday that you know Salah was looking for the pass a lot of the time, wasn't he? Rather than being, you know, usually goes for goes for goal himself, but a couple of times he did look for Mane, didn't he? Is that? Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I think especially after he'd got his goal, you could almost see after that that Salah's mission seemed to be to to you know the the rest of the attackers had all got off the mark for the season. I think he his his mind was set on ensuring Sadio got one under his belt as well. So. Um, which didn't quite happen, but um, but yeah, I mean, what a you know what a start for you know for for Jota. Jota actually, I, I thought had quite a quiet game, but he's 
he's just such a dangerous player, isn't he? I know Tim Krul probably should have done better, but I think we've seen it before where Jota, I think, catches goalies out by taking shots on so early. Um, and, you know, again, one chance, one goal from him. Um, you know, I, you know a, a Liverpool just went up through the gears, didn't they? Once he'd made those changes on the hour and he brought on Fabino and and Firmino, you know, that, that freshness, you know, Norwich just just couldn't handle it. And, you know, again, Salah sometimes gets stick for for being too selfish. But, you, you know, you, you you certainly couldn't have levelled that at him at, at Carrow Road because, um, you know, he, he absolutely put that one on a plate for for Firmino. Um, probably a little bit lucky with the assist for the first goal. I'm not completely convinced he meant that touch that, that rolled perfectly into Jota's path. But, um, yeah, and then his goal itself, you know, he made that finish just look, ridiculously easy and um first player in Premier League history ever to score in the opening game in in five successive seasons and um probably could have had another couple more I think the other thing I liked about Salah's performance was I think it was one when Van Dijk um teed him up and and he smashed it way over the bar and he was absolutely furious with himself Salah um even though the points were, were long since wrapped up but you know that's what he's like, and you know he 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 always wants more. He he's always pushing and pushing to you know not just for himself but for the team as well. It's the nonchalance, isn't it, in terms of the time he has on the ball? You know, it reminds me a little bit of you know different type of player, but you know Dagley always had time on the ball, didn't he? And it was almost in slow motion. Is that goal by Salah? You thought you know he's got to attack the ball, but he just leant back and just volleyed it. You know, and you, I was hope, I was thinking. It could be a leg break of this, the, but it, you know, the defender got nowhere near him. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, cu- I couldn't quite believe watching it unfold that Norwich had just left him to loiter like he was on the edge of the box because, and but he was, you know, he, he did make something incredibly difficult look ridiculously easy. With like you said, the the quality of the first touch just just opens it all up for him, and then I think everyone knew what was coming once he once he worked it onto his is left foot. And um, yeah, I don't think anyone, certainly anyone in the squad or in the staff was surprised really because he's looked, you know, so, so sharp, so hungry from the day he came back for pre-season. You know, there was all that noise, wasn't there, last season in terms of when he was given those interviews to Spanish publications. You know, there was always that in the back of your mind thinking, is this the start of a bit of a bit of a saga? Is he, you know, is, is he starting to maybe look elsewhere? But um you know, he, he he you know he basically kept Liverpool's season alive almost single-handedly, didn't he? Last season, when you know Sadio Mane and Firmino's goal output dipped quite a lot, and you know for Salah to get what was it, 31 goals in all competitions during such a difficult season was crazy. And then now you know he's off to a flyer already, and I, I do think both him and Mane will benefit massively from getting a proper break this summer because we know how ridiculous the football calendar is and the fact that. You know, I think Marnie talked about it recently. It was the longest holiday he can ever remember, you know, having like, you know, five, six weeks off and then having a proper pre-season. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that massive. spells bad news for, massive, for the defenders. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was um, two changes on 60 Minutes. We had um, Fabinho come on for Oxlade-Chamberlain and Firmino for, for Yossa. So, with the Brazilians coming on, they just seemed to go into, you know, onto a different level again, didn't they? You know, it was so noticeable, I thought, that, you know, they just took control of that game, you know. Yeah, you can see the class in, in, in the pair of them. 
But a piece of bravo, as you say, then as you see in the freshness like throughout the team, you can go back to like the left back, uh, Tamiskus, if his name is, uh, you know, thought he had a great game. That's the right um, pronunciation, I think. Yeah, it, well, you know, it's it's all great to me, you know. So, <laughs> uh, no, I, I just thought the freshness like throughout the team was was um, was spot on, you know, and. But you know what you're going to get with them two, you know, with Fabinho anyway. And then Firmino, but he's you no, know, he's control of the ball, you know, uh, uh, you know, within himself. He's it's it's hard to get off him, isn't it? You know, you don't know what he's going to do with it. So probably just know himself what he's going to do with it because he's 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 that good with the ball, you know. Once he's got it on his feet, but you can you can see the difference in you know. Go back to last year, the first game, as we said before. You know, they're always tough games. These, you know. First game, especially when he played the team, that's coming from the championship. Not the Leeds game last year, you know, at Anfield. So you think it's going to be a, a similar scenario, you know, where they, especially we, we got the crowd and but you know we, we totally dominated the game, didn't we? You know, they, they had they had a they had chance, you know, they had a few chances, but we, we had we had all the ball, we had most of the game, didn't we? You know, we yeah, had yeah, confidence. Allison made a couple of great saves, didn't he? But you never felt as if you know they were going to get you know. Going to get the goal, did you? Yeah. Keith, I mean, were you were you surprised that it? I mean, I think that'll be a recurring theme uh, throughout the season that you know, uh, Jota comes off. I mean, there will be obviously, uh, you know, we will uh, turn it around a bit, you know, in terms of uh, uh, rotation. But I think it seems to be Jota for me or Firmino, doesn't it? Do you think that's going to be carry on through the season? Uh, possibly they're gonna, you know, they are gonna rotate and he's gonna alternate them to suit the team at, at any given time. But it looks like them two players more often than not are gonna be the ones where we'll do that. But you know, Yotta is, you know, as James said, he's a player who sort of he surprises players uh, the teams that he's playing against because he does do things a lot earlier than what most players would do, and he's good at that. Um, but he's good at link up players. Well, he's a very accomplished player. You know, he went on the run there, and I think in the, first, the second half. And basically, it was a Gilmore that shot him down. You know, he don't he don't fantastic just to beat about three or four players on the run. So he's got everything that you From need. His own box on it, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. So you know, Jota is going to be. You know, he he played well last year. You know, he scored some important goals last year, and I think he's going to be as important this year as long as he can keep them fit. And I think the manager obviously knows best. And I think at some stage he will rotate the other players with him as well because they've all got to stay fresh, haven't they? Because unless, as James said, we we can bring another striker in. You know, unless we can raise the money for Mbappe or something like that, it's not going to happen. Um, it looks like we're stuck with the three that we four that we got. Sorry, um, which you know most most teams. I think if you ask Man City, would you have any of them played? You snap your hand off now. Um, so we're, we're blessed to have them, and you just got to make sure you look after them. And if it means rotating the four of them together at some stage, you've got to do it, haven't you? Alele Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. You know, you look at PSG and it's the Harlem Globetrotters, isn't it? But I think our, our front three or our front four with, with Jota, you know, I'd have them. I'd have them. Because, I mean, just look at the jealousy that's going to start with the different players. I mean, we've seen it slightly with Manny and Salah a few years ago at Burnley, wasn't it? But it seems to have resolved itself. I mean, James, would would you swap PSG's front three for our front three? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to tell Klopp if you say yeah <laughs> no do you know what I wouldn't actually no because I think I, I, and it, because it comes it's, it's not really about individual quality is it because I think it's about 
who fits best the system. It's like I when, when it you know what was it a couple of weeks back now when when it suddenly became clear that Messi wasn't wasn't uh, starting uh, wasn't going to be staying at Barcelona. I, I had Liverpool fans messaging me on social media saying, you know, do you think he'll come? To, you know, do you think Liverpool's a serious option for him? And then just like on what planet do you honestly think? And and I said, well, just look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. Look at how that would possibly fit in with your wage structure. But also, where where would he play? Like, where does he? And I know you could. People will argue. Well, he's the greatest player that's ever played the game. You know, potentially, you know, the argument all all rumble on. But you've still got to find a role for him that fits. You know, he's he's not he's not a pressing machine, is he? Like Pep Linders describes Diogo Jota, um, and and that's. You know that is why Liverpool have had the success they've had in the recent years because the recruitment strategy has been so good. It hasn't been, you know, like a PSG style Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, yeah, just you know, cherry picking the most, you know, the, the 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 biggest names, and you know, it, it still hasn't helped PSG win win Champions Leagues, has it? And yeah. um, so, so yeah, I think. I think it, it is about buying players to fit a style and fit yeah. a system. It's interesting you should say that, James, because, I mean, Grealish was linked a little bit with Anfield, wasn't he, earlier on before the Euros? But, I mean, I was thinking, oh, that might be a good sign, and he was 50 million. But if you look at 100 million to City, and, if, you know, it, it, it might prove me wrong, but for me, it doesn't seem to sit City style of one-touch, two-touch football. He holds the ball up. I mean, is that... Is that what you're talking about? That you know, some players don't fit certain systems. You know, let's hope he is yeah, a success at City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. I think um, it doesn't. It just doesn't follow, does it? That you just buy all you know all the all the biggest talents, throw them together, and you and you win football games every week. You know, it's that that is what you know the magic of what Klopp has created is. It is almost like the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, and that. That is about you know players functioning in a in a particular system. So no, I, I agree with you with Grealish. I mean, you know, who knows? He might he might prove us wrong. But you know, for of all the people you could spend a hundred million pound on, I you know I, I don't think he belongs in that bracket, and I don't think he's massively better than than what they've got already with those similar types of of attacking players. I think that's where it's going to be interesting to see what happens there in the last what. Well, fortnight of the window now because I think I think if they were to get Kane I think I think that is different I th- I think yes Kane you know has got a you know he has a he has ankle issues reasonably regularly and of course he's at the back end of his 20s and it would be a crazy amount of money to spend on on someone of, of his age but he is a prolific goal scorer there's no doubt about that and I think that is something that City probably are lacking so you know, them signing Kane would worry me a lot more than than them signing Grealish. Mm. Well, no, we've seen it before, haven't we? When uh, teams have uh, got big money signings, you know, Veron at United was a good example. You know, but it doesn't always necessarily mean that they're going to be the world beaters that they've been on the uh, on other stages, does it? No, I, I think the Grealish one. You know, he's he's still young, isn't he? Obviously, so he's got a long time ahead of him. Looking at looking at Kane, um, yeah, he, he's in his twilight years and he's when he's twenty, late twenties. But it's a lot of money, obviously, and it's I think it's outrageous. But if they got him and he paid one hundred and fifty million for him and he got him the European Cup, that's that's when they say it's job done, then, isn't it? 
because you know the money they recoup from all that. So all that comes into it. Then if they could get a, a proven striker like they had with Aguero uh, and who scores goals, because they seem to be lacking at that. Not just now, now, but you can score from it anywhere, in Man City. But if they had a, a, a striker like Kane, who, who, who nets, he knows where the net is. I, I think uh, it's it'd be it'd be a massive massive coup for Man City. Yeah, yeah. Um, Keith, we've got um, Burnley to look forward to at the weekend. Um, when did you last go on the ground? Did you go against West Brom in the trial period at Christmas? No, I went the uh, the Wolves game. Went to that one. Oh, the and then Wolves game. The friendly yeah. on Sunday. That, that was the last game we went to. But the Wolves game was the probably last game we went to. Um, so you're looking forward to the new system uh, going back to the 70s and 80s when you had to get there an, an hour and a half, two hours before the game? Um, I won't be doing that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, um, you know, only time will tell whether the, the, the gremlins that they had at the weekend and on the Monday nights have, have, have resolved themselves. We'll have to wait and see on that. But, you know, as we're getting in the ground a couple of hours earlier, you know, I don't. I really don't know where the club are coming from in some respects. Because why should the fans be punished because they can't get assistance to work properly? Why are we having to go on the ground two hours early if that's what they wanted to do? You know, or start going on the ground early just because they can't get something to work that they've forced upon the fan fan base. Um, plus, obviously, I know they've they've sort of lowered the price of certain things as a bit of attempt to get people in. But as you know, where we go in three oh six and a cup, it's a bit of a lottery to the guy. Even get a cold drink, never mind a decent one. Um, yeah, so yeah. that won't be happening where we are. The start <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So, so, but no, I'm looking forward to the game. You know, I'm really looking forward to getting back on the ground. Uh, to me, like, as Mono said before, you know, we met some people on Sunday. Obviously, we hadn't seen for a while, and I'm sure we'll see people on Saturday. And I think, you know, without tempting fate, you know, Liverpool last year, obviously, it's well documented. But, you know, we lost a lot of games at home, so it's a bit of a um, not saying payback time, but obviously I think you'll see a different Liverpool on Saturday than what you've seen against yeah. Burnley last year, and hopefully we will get the win that we need. James, I mean, um, Burnley ended Liverpool's 68 match unbeaten home Premier League record, didn't they? So in January, really the start of the uh, of the uh, the difficult period, wasn't it? I mean, will that be in Klopp's mind? Yeah, I think it'll certainly be in the, the players' minds. I think um, you, you're right. That was the day that you know the, the wheels started to come off, didn't it? You know, what was it? Six six home league defeats in a row. You know, unprecedented in in the club's whole history. Which you know, even more ridiculous on the back of um, you know what was it? You know, over three years at, at Anfield without without losing a a home league game. So um, yeah, I think that that's one of the massive things this season, isn't it? Putting right. What you know when when you look at the the points that were like just squandered at Anfield last season, I think for so many clubs they almost had the blueprint there that Liverpool were just you know there were so many players who seem to have lost belief that you know were missing so many chances and then with the defensive issues looked so vulnerable defensively that I think teams knew that they just had to hang in the game and they'd get a gift at some point down the other end and. Um, you know, I don't think that'll be the case this time around now that Van Dijk is back there and Joel Matip's back there. Um, so, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing a really different Liverpool at Anfield this season because you know, I, I went to all the games behind closed doors and 
you know, I used to get people coming up to me saying, oh, you're so lucky you still get to go to the game. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I don't feel lucky. It's, it's miserable. It's, you know, it's, it wasn't football. You know, it felt like watching training exercises after the time. It was absolutely soulless being surrounded by, by all those empty seats. So, um, yeah, you know, usually lunchtime kickoffs can be quite quiet, can't they? And you know, it's not not ideal in terms of atmosphere. But I think I think Anfield will be absolutely rocking at half twelve on on Saturday because um, you know everyone I've spoken to this week just just can't wait to get back in there because you know it has been so long. I think we had a taste of it for those friendlies against Bilbao and Osasuna, which it didn't really feel like friendlies. But you know, but, but you know there was that that buzz around the place, and I'm sure that that will that will lead to a very different performance from Klopp's team than we saw the last time Burnley came to came to town. Yeah, Mono, are you have you been given your allotted time to go into the cup? Have you had the email that's no. coming tomorrow, isn't it? No, not yet. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had it yet. Um, but I can't wait to get down. We're going down a bit early. We're going to go to one of the local cafes where we park the car. We're going to have, we're going to have a breakfast, and then we're going to go for a pint. And it's twelve man, aren't we, Keith? I think. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. you know, it's, it'd be great to you know to uh, give the local businesses you know some you know some business back again because obviously they've been struggling for two years now, and you know, you know, you know that the. the you know, the, the the cafes and the pubs that we go to. And, you know, they can't wait to get us all back in, you know, for a bit of normality. So, yeah, it's a, it'll, be, it'll be a great day for us, you know, to see a crowd back at Anfield, a full one. We went last Sunday, but, you know, that was a friendly. This is the this is the bread and butter now that starts on Saturday morning. Isn't it? Saturday and what do you think of the, you know, are you going to be using the NFC technology on your phone? Have you downloaded yeah. it to your phone, yeah? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, Obviously, when it, when he first moved it, for me, this was like years down the line, wasn't it? All this technology, but Culver's let them bring it all forward. You know, do his outrage with it, and rightly so, by the way, you know, because it's it's upsetting everyone's data, you know, week, weekly weekly diary, do how, how to go to the match, and, you know, and you don't want to be dictated when you go, you know, you want to go and see your mates, you want to go, and, what I've just said, you want to go to your local cafe you know, by the ground, you want to go and have a pint with your mates in the ground, sorry, in a pub. So you, you want to... those time slots aren't mandatory though, are they? They're, they're no, they're not mandatory. You know? yeah. yeah, but but uh, you know, I think possibly most will use it because um, because of the situation last week at, at the two friendly games, you know, um, where it was chaos outside. You know, we we were in the top man, and we seen the queues. You know, our other mate Johnny he went in like left two o'clock, to, you know, to go in. Yeah. You know, the game wasn't until you know four o'clock, was it? So, but when 20 minutes later when we decided the, the queues were right you know right up past the Albers right up to the 12th man and then even if you get in that now you're not going to get in mm. so we decided to have another pipe then we said we're not even we're, go, we're going home then we said we might as well go yeah. home because you're not going to get in the game and it was no one it wasn't our fault you know, you know it was still two hours to go from you know if you would have stood in that queue for two hours you ain't getting in yeah, and it was only when we sort of went down at 20 past four and we were going to get a taxi, we were going to go past the cop because the queues were still a bit mad. And then Stu just said, all the gates are open now, all the turnstiles are open. Basically, it's a flagpole corner where you can use any turnstile. Now, our turnstiles is any C and D right by the ticket office. So when you, everyone yeah. sort of just ran down, then you got in. You know, it still took me about eight goals to get in, by the way, on, on my, uh, my phone. But there's been a bit of meltdown, as we all know, on social media. And, and I say rightly so, you know, people are upset, you know, 
about all this, you know, the club with all the technology and you've got to make sure it works. But it's, I think it's important to emphasise this This is a club directive, isn't it? This is a club directive. Keith? Yeah, yeah. See, the, the thing with it is that, obviously, you've got to think of the mindsets of the people who are implementing this. They, they think that what we've done for years shouldn't matter anymore. And it's wrong. You know what I mean? It's wrong for them to just forcibly put something on you that you don't, I'm saying you don't want that. I've got no issue with technology. What it shouldn't do is have an impact on what you do on a day-to-day basis going to match. They should have a system in place that works. It's as simple as that. I'm not going to queue up for two hours to get in the ground or go in the ground two hours before and into a, into an area of the ground where we all know, all jumping apart, the, the concourse with 306s, it's a very small area. And as you know, at our time, we all be there. It can get very condensed. You can't move. So why should we be forced to go into them areas and stand there and try and get a pint of lager that they're asked to reduce to £2.50, which at best is not the best stuff in the world. Two ninety. And then at worst, you can't even get one. They're selling, they're selling warm bottles of lager for £4.50 at half time. You can't get a drink. Now, we've raised this, or I've raised it with the club ever since I've been involved with the SOS. And they laugh and joke about it, but it's, it's a serious issue. They're asking fans to go into the ground early and not getting the right facilities and the right sort of areas for you to do what you need to do. So for me, I think it's it. I've no problem with the actual technology side of it, but they got to make sure it works. At first, like you know, when everyone's, I, I wouldn't say moaning because it's it's the wrong way. When everyone was having a go at, at it all, um, everyone just thought it was Liverpool, but. The Premier League only came out last week, and he said every Premier League club has got to have it implemented by the end of the season, if not before. So, obviously, they've all been talking, you know, during the pandemic, and to say this is the way forward now. This is how we go. How we're going to uh, we use football with fans. Uh, and I, I did find it ironic when you know the club, as you just said, they can. He said to people, "We're going to reduce, reduce, reduce it to a pint of two pound ninety to get you in the ground." Now. There's a pandemic on. So do you want thousands of people to stand on a concourse all together to drink a pint of, pint of lager, warm lager, sorry, for, for £2.90? Yeah, we're, that's we're a all, public health so, issue, isn't it? And we're also, uh, you know, I can't, I can't believe they come out with that statement, to be honest. Mm. You know, um, for me, yeah, I'd rather give the look. Yeah, the Spirits of Shankly have been, um, you know, negotiating with them, trying to, you know, trying to make it a, a, a bit better. I mean, is there any success there, do you think? Or is it just... Well, yeah, obviously the success and uh, the arguments that we've had with them, you know, when he first came out them, you know, obviously we were against it. You know, it's it's going to... But it's easy to stay, so you try and get the betterment out of it all for the uh, for the fan, you know, the fan culture of what we all, what we all want. But, you know, first of all, it was on your... The ticket was going on your phone, you know... Uh, there's only one person, then he, we argued, he wanted to give you three, then give you six, then we end up getting 20. So you can move your ticket around because tickets are shared, family, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Friends and family. But tickets are shared, aren't they? So, you know, at first he didn't get all that, then, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So there's been a lot of argument, you know, to and fro yeah. with, with the US and the club. I wouldn't say argument, well, you know, debates on how, how, how to let fans use the ticket. So then, yeah. then the other alternatives that we did say, well, what if you haven't got any technology yourself? What if you're, you're old or you're young and you don't want a phone or you haven't got a phone? So that's when they, they get the, 
the opportunity for people to be, have a car, but then you'd have to have your picture on it. Probably to stop the town, I don't know. So you, you, if you get it, stop it. Do you know who it is? But, you know, the, the club is running with this and the Premier League, so uh, it's got to work, hasn't it? Because um, it'll be meltdown again. If, if this goes wrong on Saturday, you know, uh, it, can't be, it can't be put on the fans. You know, fans, yeah. if fans want to queue for three hours before a game, you know, you know, and stand on a concourse, you know, in a pandemic, you know, I do find that very strange. And, yeah. um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of um, a lot of emails on, on that, you know, to, you know for the yeah. club to help or something like that. Alele Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. I think you got asked the question, you know, the club have brought this in, you know, we're going to have a little bit of debate on this in respect of what's going on, is that one of the, one of the rationale behind the clubs uh, implementing this and probably the other clubs is that it's a safety issue that they want to know who's in the ground and who's in seats. You know, the club at the amnesty to let people switch the names of the seats, which is fine. But the, the sort of, it, it's, a, it's a cloak and dagger issue for me because they're, they're bringing it in, but they're not being truthful with the fans, I don't think, because... And that's the problem when you get a vacuum, it gets filled with all kinds of different noises. If it's about safety, there's two things with that. The corporate side of it, on any given day, no one knows who's going to be in their corporate seats to the day of the game. They change hands quicker than most tickets do going just to normal games. It's just the way, that's the reality of corporates. People turn up, people can't make it. They phone their mates up, here you go. So we have, I've not seen anything to, to, to satisfy me to say that that's going to be kept in check that they know who's going to be in them seats on the day of the game. And the other one is the away fans. I, I don't, I've, again, I've not seen anything unless they've missed it. I'm not on social media. About how they getting the information about the away fans who are in the ground. If it's a safety issue and you want to know everyone's names, who's sitting in them seats, how are they doing that? So yeah. I think that they're being a bit um, economical with, with the truth to a, to a degree about why they're doing this. Um, you know, a lot of fans, uh, you know, Rightly, in my opinion, someone's got I've got reservations about it's it's getting tickets back into the club to go somewhere else, you know. Mm. And until they come out and deny that and put things in place to show people that they're not doing that, it's always going to be there in the background. And I think the club yeah. have got to be upfront and 100 percent honest with the fan base for me to, to make this work. And as I said before, yeah. why should we suffer because they want to implement certain systems? Yeah. We should not have suffer. We've done nothing wrong. We should all James, be able to support our team. James, um, has there been much talk about this with the uh, journalists or people being analysing it or is it just a fan issue and, you know, I mean? No, there has, there has been talk about it. Yeah, yeah I know, um, you know, reporters were, were invited down to Anfield earlier on this week, I think, just to, to try and get some of the, the, the club messages out there um, ahead of the weekend because clearly, you know, it would be a massive embarrassment to the club if there was any repeat at the weekend of the problems we saw well, for both the friendlies, but especially the one against Bilbao. I mean, you can't, you know, you, for a start, you know, it's it's different, isn't it? Delaying a pre-season friendly when, you know, it's only on LFC TV. It's, it's very different when it's a it's a Premier League game being been to hundreds of millions of people all around the world. And, um, you know, it's, and especially I think with it being an early kickoff, I think that's the other that's the other issue. It's you know, it's, it's probably not realistic that for for a twelve thirty that you're going to get people rocking up particularly yeah. early. In that. So it's a big test of the new system. I know you know the club officials that spoke this week were pretty bullish in terms of they're convinced they've learned lessons from from what went wrong with those with those two friendlies. They 
they think that now the process will be a lot smoother at the weekend. Um, and yeah, as as the I, you know, I think the guys are spot on. You know, it's it, it's it, it's you know, it's just it's not realistic that you're going to get people. You know, why should people have to rock up? You know, an hour and a half before the game is just you know, that that shouldn't be shouldn't be the case. You know, if they want to bring in this new technology, it has to be fit for purpose. And yes, you know, it's not just a Liverpool thing; it's a Premier League wide initiative that is being brought in. But you know, it, it is being staggered. It didn't have to come in immediately this season, you know, because obviously they want clubs to get it right. And um, you know, let's just hope that it that everything goes to plan at the weekend because it will be. Yeah. It would be embarrassing if there's any repeat of the scenes we saw for those friendlies. Yeah, a lot of the club seemed to imply that uh, for the friendlies, it was a lot of printed at home tickets. You know, they couldn't scan them properly, and also a lot of people weren't familiar with the ground because it was found a different demographic to the usual crowd. I mean, do you buy that or? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're right. That that's what I've been told by the people that have done the you know the the research and you know obviously you know the, the the all the kind of fallout that followed from those two games. They said you're right. There was people who had printed printed them out, which obviously you know you'd have thought the the printouts obviously defy the whole point of it being a you know a digital thing. You also had issues where people were then trying to download the ticket on their phone once they were already there, and then you know if if your phone, you know, it hasn't, you know, if you're not on the, you know, even got data or whatever at that that point, then there's a delay. I think you also had people with five or six tickets on one phone that then made the whole process a lot more complicated than than it than it should have been. So um, I don't know. That's you know, whether whether that whether that's completely the case. You know, um, you know, you got. I think with something like that, you know, the, the lads might know better than me, having gone through that process and spoken to people outside the ground. But, um, yeah, I just hope Saturday's different. Mono? You know, I, I think the uh, the comms could have been better with the uh, from the club these last two weeks. I think they're going to put a big push on it these next few days before the game. Because we know through the SOS, you know, all the, the messages that we've had, that the, the people have decided to get in contact with the club and they're just not contacting them back. So that, that, that frustrates everyone, you know, that that's... Sets everyone angry, and you know, you know they have they have the the website, you know, uh, LFC help where it's supposed to reply for you, and it's just not happening. So that that was like that was mostly part of all the meltdown last week. People just wanted some answers from for information from how to do the ticket, how, how does it work, or this whatever whatever it was. And then we you know so we're going. We've been going. You know, listen, we're volunteers. We've been going coming home from work, seeing all the messages and going back to the club, asking, you know, you know yourself, Peter, through what's been coming through to the emails for us. We've got to go to the club, ask the questions, what we get sent, and we're going back with the answers. You know, surely they should have someone in place where that could have been happening on a, on a, on a not just a daily basis, but a minute-by-minute minute basis, you know, right through, you know, five working days, you know, let, let's get it out there, let's answer these people's uh, queries. And it just wasn't happening, to, you know, to the, to the full extent. Keith? Again, I think the club are going to be careful how they sort of present this because they haven't got a good record when it comes to communicating with the fans, as they found out in the past, and come back to bite them. You know, to pick up on what they're saying about uh, the issues where people with paper tickets on no numerous multiple tickets, if, if they knew the issue, why they must have known it, should, they must have known it was happening because they were the ones who issued the tickets in the first place of these people. 
So if they knew, they, they must have known that people had them tickets and they were coming to the ground with them. And again, if they know for some strange reason that people don't know where they're going, which I find hard to believe, they should have had the right people in place outside the ground. Now, from all accounts from people I've listened to and heard, is that it's a complete opposite of what the club have said. People were going to the ticket office, getting sent one place to go somewhere else, going to see stewards outside the ground and getting told to go back to the ticket office. It was an absolute fiasco, which doesn't surprise me with Liverpool. So they got to be careful how they put this across. And I'm not I'm not trying to have a go with the club, but they just got to be honest with the fans and stop sort of passing the book to somebody else. As I've said before, this is the... their system. Sorry. Do you think it's taking the fun out of going to the game? You know, everyone's worried now. About well, yeah, it is. You know, the first game. You know, I, I, you know what? I'm hope. I'm a hundred percent hopeful that the club are right in what they're saying about Saturday. That'll go so smoothly because you know they seem to think because obviously everyone's going who's a season ticket holder will have the NFC or the whatever they need to get in the ground. There's none of this paper tickets. I hope. I hope that it works. I really do. But as I said before, I'm not turning up two hours before and to make sure it does. I don't see why we should. I think it's yeah. ridiculous that they're asking fans in this day and age to, to use a system that they've implemented, which is being used all over the world from all accounts, which works everywhere else, and we can't seem to make it work. Well, it's fingers magic. crossed um, that it works on Saturday. Uh, yeah. Just to finish off, really, uh, James, uh, <clears throat> VAR hasn't been getting used very much. Seems to have taken a leaf out the Euros, um, how they're refereeing the games and how they're using VAR. Is that? That's you know it's been really positive that hasn't it because games I think over the weekends there were some fantastic games and I think that was because the games were let uh, they were allowed to flow. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think there seems to be a bit of a higher ceiling, doesn't there, for what they're giving free kicks for, um, which as you said, you know, helps the flow of flow of games and it it was just you know I just last season I don't know about the about the rest of the rest of the guys but I. If Liverpool weren't playing, I lost interest in watching the other games because, to me, it just wasn't proper football. It felt like, you know, with, with no fans and then the VAR shambles, it, you know, it just felt like football was being ruined. And I just hope what we saw last weekend continues because, you know, you, you, yeah, you, you know, the way VAR was used last weekend was, was exactly how it was meant to when it came in. You know, it was it's supposed to just do away with the absolute shocking mistakes you know the real the real injustices it's not supposed to be cancelling out goals because you know a millimeter of Firmino's armpit was offside at Villa Park like we saw previously and all that nonsense so you know yeah i'm i'm really glad they seem to have taken a leaf out the euros book learned from that you know they have a quick look at the footage no no ridiculous you know lines being drawn and um so yeah absolutely refreshing that we weren't talking about VAR. We were just talking about brilliant football. Great. Uh, okay. Um, thanks very much for listening to Ali Ruse. I'd like to thank uh, Stephen Monaghan, Keith Colvin, and James Pierce, who um, works for The Athletic now, but used to be uh, the Echo correspondent. Great to see you back, James. And uh, uh, fingers crossed for the season. Fingers crossed for... Um, Tickets, everyone can get in on time on Saturday. And we're really looking forward to uh, what's going to be a very exciting season with looks like full crowds. You've been listening to Ali LaRouge. Thanks for listening, all our listeners all around the world. And uh, let's hope for three points on Saturday. Thank you. You've been listening to the Ali LaRouge podcast on the Blood Red channel.